I love, absolutely love all the different ways that you can build a business and or make money in real estate. I fell in love with it and I wish I would have fell in love with it or knew about it and gotten into it 20 years ago. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Okay, I just want to thank today Leon Barnes for coming to talk to us. And Leon is in Wichita, Kansas, currently with the Collective Genius. And Leon, thanks on, I just learned National Leon Day. Yes. Today is National Leon Day. You're welcome. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I can't believe you made time for, for me on National Leon Day. So many things planned on National Leon Day <laughs> and uh, more things than I even had on Father's Day planned. But uh, I made time for you because you're such a good friend. Today, you get me on National Leon Day. No, I can't believe it. I appreciate that because I hear here, even in San Diego, we're having a parade for, for you specifically for National Leon Day. So I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but seriously, I do uh, like, thanks for taking your time. I know you're super busy and I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. And let's start off, if you don't mind, let's start with a little bit about you and like what you got into, you know, real estate, real estate investing and stuff like we, had, uh, you know, I talked a little bit before we started recording that we're going to speak a little bit on, on that and uh, some mentorship and get into a few of those things. But if you could kind of give us a little bit on how you started. So my journey started with me wanting to be on SportsCenter. <laughs> I think I've had this conversation with you before. Mm-hmm. I was a communication major, broadcast journalism. That was what I had planned on doing. And even did some radio play-by-play and some television um, in college and uh, about five and a half years with minor league sports teams. And uh, just for whatever reason, it, I just, it was a longer play than I was, you know, at, in my 20s, was ready to <laughs> continue on. And so I switched over to sales. Spent 11 years in advertising sales and was done with corporate America. And I was looking for an opportunity to, to switch. And out of corporate America and real estate um, presented itself as an option, specifically real estate investing. And I jumped on it uh, from an executive standpoint. But also, I think we've had this conversation before, Jay, is that I came into it with uh, a background of building teams and hiring salespeople. Um, I, I managed uh, an entire state of 20, I think we had 25 sales reps when I first started in that particular role, my last uh, two years in corporate America. And so I had the background to build a team and to hire good salespeople. And so that translated very well, but I didn't know real estate really at all other than selling my own personal house. And I think I said this to you before, because I didn't have any real estate experience, I just, I jumped, um, I jumped in as soon, as fast as I possibly could, read every book, listen to every podcast, network with every person that I possibly could in a short amount of time, because that learning curve, it was very important that instead of a year, it was, you know, 90 days for me. And I fell in love with it. And I, I don't see myself doing anything outside the real estate realm, whether that's the investing side, the retail side, the mentorship, masterminding, whatever it may be, I'm involved in uh, 110%. Right. 
also you and I believe your wife as well, like you're involved in multiple levers of it, like you're speaking of, because you guys do have a real estate team as well, correct? We do. We do. And I will be honest, that's not my bag. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just I, I enjoy building of the team, mm-hmm. but actually the day-to-day management of it, I am blessed to have a wife that is really good at it. And she's a much better manager than I am when it comes to real estate salespeople. Right. Mainly because I'm a softie. She's business. <laughs> So we have on our team, we have one, two, I think we have four salespeople now Okay, that work under our umbrella and help us on the investment side. And none of them had background in real estate. We look for people that uh, have had success in other industries that can come over and grow their business. So it's a slow out of the gate start. And that's why I'm not as good with it as my wife is. But we've been doing that now for goodness, I want to say three years. Maybe four. I think my wife has been an agent for four. I think we've had our team for three. Right on. And not blowing anything out of the water, but uh, again, it's just gradual. And I, like you said before, I love the process of everything that is real estate. I made sure that one of the biggest things I've always loved doing is networking, whether that's on the business, local business side or nationwide from an investment standpoint, or even a retail standpoint. And so coaching and mentoring and masterminding as much as I possibly could, because I love, absolutely love all the different ways that you can build a business and or make money in this field. There's just so many different ways to make money. There are people that only buy land. Mm -hmm. There are people that only buy apartments. There are people that only buy the notes. from the people that do seller financing. It's just, there's so many niches and and that's what's so fascinating about real estate and why I fell in love with it. And I I wish I would have felt, fell in love with it or knew about it and gotten into it 20 years ago. Right. But I think of myself in my twenties, I, I was, I probably wasn't ready <laughs> for this journey. I think that's a good factor to look at as well, because a lot of times you fall in love with something or you do well and excel at it because of that point in your life and because of all the experiences you've already had. Yeah, I think that was very important for me. Um, you know, I look back at it and I was pretty driven. So I think I would have been successful at it, but I don't know if I would still be in it. Um, right. You know, because of where I was in my life, I'm 43 now. So that means I would have started when I was 36 or 37 in that range. And so I just was at a different point. I had my first son at that point. My wife and I had our first son. And so I was just in a different phase of my career. So I could really truly see the opportunity. I think a lot of people get into real estate, especially, you know, 20 years ago, they just got in to be a retail agent. Right. And and maybe didn't understand all the options that were available with it. Like I did. I saw immediately once getting into it goodness, we could own rentals, you can own land. I mean, there's so many different ways that not only can you make money, but also grow from a personal experience, right? Right. Grow knowledge about business beyond just a single family home. Mm -hmm. That's well, that's something I know that since I've known you as well, that you, you seem to have a passion for is you always bring something new that you've learned, you kind of seem to have that passion to learn new stuff. And Mm -hmm. and I think that's the exciting part, too. I I believe that if I were trying to only do one thing in real estate that I don't know if I could last two years, you know, yes, especially when it comes to there are certain people that are just really good and have a passion for buyers and sellers. Mm -hmm. And that's not me, right? 
Now, had I started in it 20 years ago, probably might, might be still my passion because I would have grown a, you know, hopefully would have grown a significant business. Right. Uh, but it just, where I was in my life at the time, it just wasn't a passion for me at this point in my mm-hmm. life. But I think this is one of the biggest reasons I was attracted to the mastermind setting. And, and this is something that a real estate investing has figured out more so than some of the other entrepreneurial industries. Mm-hmm that people get together that are like-minded to share information. And man, it just, it fits me so well because not only do I get to meet new people from all around the country, some in around the globe, I also get the opportunity to pick their brain. There's something that I know I can share with them. And as right. you know, from being in masterminds, I can share something that I know. And in, in return, they're going to give me something that I had no clue existed right. or strategy or something along those lines. And, and, and that part of it, I really found my calling on that side, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, with me really being big headed here and saying I'm really good at it. <laughs> I'm being big head. So. I'm happy. I'm happy. Okay, right, right. It's a natural fit for me yeah. uh, because I am so interested in learning about people mm-hmm. and about this industry. And you also, I think, when you were kind of giving your intro about you're driven, like you've been a team builder, that's kind of what you do. And, and now I feel like you're doing it just on a larger scale and you understand that truly contributing to outside of yourself, just yeah. really, it benefits everyone. And it's not so much a competition. I feel like a lot of people in the industry, especially just like residential sales, see yeah. it as like, oh, that person got a sale that I did and that's my competition as opposed to like, Awesome, man. Like, great. What did you know? What did you yeah. do, or whatever? And I and I think that opens a lot more doors by being that way. I'm definitely attracted to go giver cultures. Mm-hmm. So that I am. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm as competitive as they come. I played basketball for a very long time up until I broke my ankle, and I was. Like, I was going to say, I think early on when I met you, you were on crutches. Let's just throw that out there. You were hobbling yeah, around on yeah, crutches. Years ago, uh, right before my second son was born. In mm-hmm. fact. Before my second son was born, I broke my ankle playing pickup basketball or in men's league or something like that. Mm-hmm. First bone I ever broke, and I broke it on my uh, when I was forty years old. I had just turned forty, and uh, decided to retire immediately. Um, yeah. so I wasn't going to the NBA at forty, and it was just uh, <laughs> it was one of that one of those times in your life. You're going, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I doing? But. I don't know where I was going with that, Jay. But once I started talking about my ankle, I just blacked out. <laughs> I think we were just talking about you being fragile. I think that's where we we're going with that one. Probably knowing in our conversations, probably, probably true. And probably, yeah, yeah, for sure. But back to the team thing, you know, building the team. I, I've got to say, you you were one of the people that um, when I started, because you know, like I, I felt the same way as far as the team building. That's what I was passionate about. It's what I enjoyed about the military. It's what I stayed in my realm of the military for so long was just because of working with those smaller teams, and I, I really did enjoy that. So starting in the real estate, just in the sales part of it specifically you know, everyone is like, you can't build a team. You don't know what you're doing yet. And I'm like, well, building teams is the only thing I knew. I didn't know real estate sales or how to do that business part yet. So to me, it was like, well, why not rely on what I know and build from there? And you were one of the the people that was very supportive of it, like understood, yes. was very supportive of it, where a lot of people are like, oh, you're doing it backwards. You can't do it that way. Yeah. Also probably like you, when someone tells me I can't do something, it's like, okay, great. Now I have to, even if I didn't want to, now I have to stick to it. Um, and I think that we're also 
both in a, as with a lot of people, most of the competition is with ourselves more so than anyone. Right. That's what I've kind of learned over time is like, I'm not really competing with anyone else. I'm competing with what my goals are, what I want to accomplish. Yeah, and you probably have always been like that same here is that, uh, yeah, do I use other people's, you know, measurements to, you know, to see where I'm at? Uh, yes, but that doesn't mean it's the end all be all. Uh-huh. Um, I know where I was going with the old basketball thing now. It was about, you know, my my favorite thing to do was ultimately, well, I don't get me wrong. I love to score, but Mm -hmm. to set up teammates, um, for teammates to be able to score or uh, to get an offensive rebound and, 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 and help another teammate score off of that offensive rebound. I mean, that to me gave me more pleasure than scoring. And I think that's always been kind of my mentality is to help others. Um, because I know in return, I will, I will, you know, ultimately help myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have that mindset and that doesn't work for everybody, but it works for me Yeah, and it has over, over my career, thankfully. Um, and, and so building a team has been, if I, you know, I'm a natural coach, that's just kind of always been my approach. And if I had um, any weaknesses within that, it was probably not being hard enough mm-hmm. on certain people to get the most from them. But I just loved putting people in position that you ever heard the term right, butt, right seat. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I, I remember hiring people when I first started in real estate investing and, you know, I would be interviewing for a position that, and this is where just having an open mind and not just like, like you said, Jay, I didn't know real estate, but I knew the personality types for the positions mm-hmm. that we were looking for. And so I would hire someone or bring someone in and say, okay, well, this person probably is not a good transaction coordinator fit based upon this interview and their personality type. Right. But our next hiring position that we're looking for is a lead manager. Just using that as, a, mm-hmm. as an example. This person will be a much better lead manager this person's available right now, it's probably not a bad move to bite the bullet now. Instead of just looking for one person for a TC position, now we're looking, we're gonna go ahead and hire this person and I'm gonna find another TC person instead of putting that person in the wrong seat. Right. And, and that's something that just over time of hiring so many people over my 11 year corporate career, you take a bunch of hacks and eventually you're gonna get good at hitting the ball. <laughs> right. And, and that's, it, it's not a perfect science, but I, I, I'm better at it today than I was when I first started. That's for sure. Well, just, to, and it does take a, a little bit of a skill and a little bit of insight to recognize uh, the strengths in people. And sometimes it is better to, I, I, I agree with you. Sometimes you get a gift. I'll look at it as a gift. Like well, this wasn't what I was looking for, but I can't pass this up. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're so spot on. I, I think about this quite often. Uh, when I first started in real estate, I was so lucky. So, mm-hmm. so lucky. What I mean by that is for what I mean, and, and you live in a transient market as well because of military. I live in a transient market because of military and also um, some of the employers that are in Wichita, this specific market. And I would get my first, I think, three or four hires were people that were relocating back or coming to Kansas because their husband or they were moving here because of family or whatever the case may be. This gift was just given to me. And and I can speak, I can, I think of two people specifically that I hired that probably weren't the right fit for the position we were hiring for, but we found a place for them because Mm -hmm. 
was just handed for you. So that's just a little tidbit, little nugget for those that are listening that, you know, uh, quite often your best candidates are people that are relocating to your specific area because they need a job when they get there. They mm-hmm. don't necessarily, they, they don't know, you know, what they're going to be doing. They know what their skill sets are, but they need something. And you may get lucky uh, with those candidates. And I, ha- I have in the past. Absolutely. I think that uh, I don't know that I have skill for bringing in the people or are, you know, looking for tracking down people to hire and whatnot. But I do feel like that same similarly, maybe it's from that team background of going, cool, this person has skills, just where they best utilized. And that's a great thing about uh, the team atmosphere, too. Everyone doesn't have to be good at everything. You know, you it's it's awesome. Because, you know, together, it's pretty, you know, pretty phenomenal if you put people in the right place. You're trying to fulfill a complete circle. Yeah. And everyone has their piece of that pie that they fulfill. And, and not everyone has to have, you don't want everyone with the same skill set. No, 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 for sure. And, and also, I feel like on the team side of things, especially like in, uh, well, in anything, but um, for instance, real estate, like on the team part that like your wife's running for you so that you can go, go you know, network and create the, you know, some other cool stuff or she's running for her and then you, you get to go play. That's how I'm going to go ahead and sell yeah. it. It is nationally yeah. on day. So you're, you're good. You get a pass. You get to play good day. Yeah. Yeah. But also with those as well, like when you do get those people in and you do have them in the right place, they just, you can accomplish so much more than that individual person. But in the same time, I see so many people in my short time of in, in this profession that are individuals who are like really do well, but what's the longevity of it? Because they're so stressed because there's so many pieces of it. And, and it's so, uh, it can be so tiresome, um, so stressful, the communications that, that everything together, whereas, you know, with the team and you have the people in the pieces, everyone can, you know, work hard, but also still have a life. Yes. And still have something outside and be successful without uh, killing themselves. It is a, uh, it's a balance for sure. And it takes the, you know, some personalities want that individualism. Other personalities need a team atmosphere. Right. Uh, I know I've had some agents in the past that just didn't work out for whatever reason um, on the team. But a lot of the biggest reason usually is if someone, they either struggle with being on a team because they're more of an individualist. Right. Or they're used to more of a corporate structure and, you know, most agents and, and a lot of investors keep employees or they keep them as contractors or 1099s. And mm-hmm. so there, there isn't as much as what you would see in a corporation where you have a bunch of employees that are sitting in an office together. Right. So challenges to both sides of it. And I think that's where a diversified business will always allow you the best candidates. Mm-hmm. And and help you find the, the, the right butts for the right seats. Because right. if you're just running a retail operation, you may be limiting yourself on what you can bring in talent-wise. Right, right. And, uh, you know, when you're saying like the diversification, if I can kind of get you to talk on that a little bit too, not just on the, you know, being successful in the real estate industry, but for instance, anybody who's listening, uh, who's in a different career path or something, as far as just in the investing side of it, diversifying, there's, like you said uh, earlier on, there's so many different ways to be involved. So, and I'm sure that was one of the things that attracted you, especially as, you know, you're growing a family was having that ability and covering different bases. So can you maybe talk about how you got into the investing part of of real estate a bit? 
Sure. So when I joined the company that I went to work for out of the gates, um, you know, there, what my mind was opened up to is how many different ways, as we mentioned before, you could make money in this field. I, I love how some people just passively invest. Mm -hmm. uh, my, one of my mentors and my, my, the founder of the collective genius, um, he doesn't, he's been in real estate investing uh, most of his life and he, he doesn't own an asset other than his own personal house. He doesn't own an asset. He just lends. He doesn't want to pick up a hammer, nor does he want to manage someone that picks up said hammer. Right. right. So right. Uh, that really attracted me to this is, man, if you've just, you know, when you grow up and I didn't grow up, I think we've had this conversation before when you grow up without money, you know, it's almost like the people that were rich had all these secrets. Yeah. And you're like, how do I get there? I got to know what they know. And I feel like real estate has taught me a lot of those secrets that the people that were wealthy, that their money was making money while they were sleeping. Right. Those secrets, you know, there's other industries in which that you can find though. But from a diversified standpoint, I don't know if you can find a, a more diversified industry Right. where you can invest on a passive side. You can invest on an active side, whether that's holding properties, rehabbing properties and selling them retail, uh, assigning contracts and taking an assignment fee without ever taking a deal down. There's so many ways. And that for me, long-term as my family continues to grow with my two boys, I've got an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, to be able to pass hard assets to them in the future with single family homes, because this is a great cap rate market in Kansas. Um, you know, where you're at in California, you're not going to get 10 to 12% cap rates uh, with, you know, 20 to 30% equity. Right, right. <laughs> and you've got nothing more out of your pocket than maybe 10 grand on a down payment. Right. Um, and, and the rental costs you 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, but that's, again, that comes back to the diverse, diversity of real estate. Mm -hmm. You can live in San Diego and know somebody like me that can help you buy rental properties and can manage those properties for here for you. You never get involved outside of sending the money to take down that deal and build your own portfolio, even though you live in a no cap rate uh, mm -hmm. market in San Diego. Right. So the diversity that is within real estate. Um, it's, it's one of those things that there's so much information available out there now, Jay. I know that part of this conversation is, is, is finding mentors and leveraging technology and mentors. Um, well, the biggest lever that you could ever use is technology today mm -hmm. because there's so much free content that's available to the public. Right. If you're working in that industry that you mentioned before and you're doing a side hustle with real estate, you can grow that and keep it as a side hustle. Right. Which many people do. You can just lend and get back money and not have to worry about an air conditioner going out and, and wiping out all your profit for the year. Right. Right. Um, you can grow it at any level that you want to, but the information that's available, whether it's your podcast or any podcast that's out there, any book, every book that I could get my hands off within the first 90 days when it came to real estate investing, I read every single one of them. And I'm not, I'm not a reader like that. I'll read right. a book a month, 
you know, I was reading two, three, four books a month at that time because it just, there was so much information about more so today than even just six years ago. Yeah. Everybody that is a high level investor, mo- well, I shouldn't say everybody, most have a podcast that if you're interested in self storage, uh, land, single family, multifamily, there's a podcast and or a blog or a community that you can be a part of to learn those things. Right. And that's, and that's huge. And I think we talked a little bit about before, before we started recording as well about the importance of kind of uh, vetting that too and finding the people you trust or the people that you align with too. Research, listen, expose yourself to as much as you can or as much as you want. Pick what sounds appealing to you and just take some kind of action and you know, start trying to develop those relationships and find those mentors that you trust. Because there's plenty out there. Not There's definitely plenty of people out trying to take advantage of people really? in some of these things. Usually you'll see them, a lot of it's in the marketing side, you know, like, hey, we can help you do this or that. Yeah. But through aligning yourself with some other good people, you can cut through a lot of that and really get to the more trustworthy people. And, and again, the, and so much free information out there that it's a great place to start. Absolutely. I was on the, um, a con- we do it twice a month. We do training calls within our mastermind. And one of our members from Utah yesterday presented on just how to grow profit margin within the business. And he really talked about where he really makes a difference with his profit margin is in relationship deals. And this is a great point to talk about when it, uh, when it comes to leveraging relationships. Right. It was an, an extra $900,000 in his business that he could, it was half and half basically between two things. And the biggest piece of that was the relationships that he built when he first started out produced leads that he doesn't have to pay for from a marketing standpoint. And when, Jay, in the time that you've known me, I, I have been a part of a networking group two different masterminds, boards of local organizations. And it's all genuine of building relationships. First and foremost, you're not in there just to hawk something or sell something. Right, right. right? You got to be genuine about it. You can't yeah. just be in there so, you know, just for you. But if you're a genuine individual and you do all those things, it out of the gates, it's going to seem like a lot. You know, those first couple of years, you're like, my goodness, I can't do another meeting. I spent five years in a networking group here locally. And in those five years, I found investors, I found vetted contractors. I found so many things that to this day, I, I still have great relationships with those individuals. And it, they bring me deals or they'll help me take down a deal. I mean, there's just so many benefits of doing that. And the alignment that you talked about, Jay, ultimately comes from spending time with those individuals. Right. You will know who's equally aligned with you and who is the right partner for you when it comes to a mentor, a coach, based upon time spent. This right. is also something we talked about on this training call yesterday is that he has a business coach. And the first two business coaches that he, that he hired just weren't the right fit. Right. So he just said, you know what, I'm going to find the next one. And so it's just, it's, some of it is trial and error, but a lot of it can come from a lot of the best referrals you will get are from people that you've spent time with that know you. I have had introductions to attorneys and bankers of people that have said, hey, 
you just need to meet this guy. There's something about you two that you guys need to meet. And those have turned out to be some of my best relationships, whether that be an attorney, a lender, whatever the case may be, somebody that ultimately I'm going to need and they probably need me as, as well as a client. And even after that intro, it becomes more of an organic relationship, even though it might be a business intro. And again, I think those are the ones that last better as well. If it's only like, hey, what can we do for each other? If it if nothing comes to fruition early on, I think those kind of just drift apart. Yes. Whereas if it's like you do have that connection and you you kind of see the value in each other and it becomes more of an organic relationship, then that those kind of stick around. Those are the ones that'll stick around and benefit each other for you know whenever it comes. There are there are coaches and, and and people that are mentors that do this for a living. Um, that are genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some really, really good ones. Uh, some names I think of are like um, Tom Kroll out of Florida. He has a, a fantastic, uh, and it's really more for new investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what he calls. They, they even have their own tribe. I think it's called the Rhinos or something. The Hard Charging Rhinos is what they're called. And he's just a genuine human being and wants to to help people. Right. He's a brother-in-law with a guy from San Diego that's a longtime coach as well named Todd Toback. And uh, they're just good human beings that really care about um, their students. And he's got, he's got multiple coaches. Right. But they care about, you know, their, that they help people. Uh, Corey right. is another guy I know in Green Bay, Wisconsin, who uh, helps, um, you know, real estate investors kind of get started. He just, he's, with, he's, he's under that umbrella with Tom and just such a good human being that really does care, not just taking your monthly subscription or your amount. I will tell you that coaching is not easy. It yeah. may seem like it's easy, but as a coach, you also have to have a student that um, aligns with your motivations as well. Yeah. Nothing worse than a bad coach <laughs> and student relationship. As a high school basketball coach, believe me, I spent this, this last year as an assistant coach in high school basketball. And I've seen some bad relationships between coaches and players. And it's no different in the business world. True. And, and, I, and I know some people who try coaching that aren't in the place where they're ready to be coached. And that, you know, there's nothing a coach can do about that. Unfortunately, there are too many of those. You're right. Yeah. And sometimes it's not that the person doesn't want to be coached. They're just not in that position. You know what I mean? Sometimes they're just not organically in that place yet. They get to a certain point, then it, the light bulb comes on and then it's kind of off to the races, you know? But Yeah, just because you can afford coaching doesn't mean you're ready for it. Exactly. Right. That's a good point. Very yeah. good point. There are a lot of us, it depends upon where you are in your life, but no matter how good the intentions are of the coach, the, the, the player and or the student has to be ready to accept the coaching that is going to be given to them. If they're not ready for that, it's, it's not the coach's fault. Right. There are plenty of good ones out there. Another guy I think of is Matt Terrio in LA. Again, deals with a lot of newer investors. I know that he's a good coach because the mastermind that I'm a part of on the real estate investing side called the Collective Genius you have to do a minimum of 50 transactions a year or have 50 doors in order to get in. It's an elite group, elite board of advisors when it comes to real estate investors. And um, he sends us, you know, cause he was a former member. And so he'll send us uh, students of his that have graduated past kind of where his teachings go. Right. 
Um, and so I know that he's leveling people up because he sends them to us um, because he can, you know, he basically takes them to this level and then hands them off. Right. I don't know. That's credit him to realize that, hey, I'm going to take them to this point instead of just trying to back to your point of good coaches. I'm not going to just keep the paycheck coming. Let me let this person go to that next step and, you know, continue to grow. It's good coaches do that. I think about uh, one of my coaching mentors from a basketball standpoint, he coaches his son. And it's one of the hardest things to do in sports is to coach your son or daughter and um, to realize when you are, when you're in a good spot for them or they need to pass them on um, to, to another coach. Right. And, and he understands that this is what he's really good at. And now it's time like for my eight-year-old son and my three-year-old son, I will coach them in basketball until I feel like I can't help them and take them to another level. And then I will pass them on because that's what a good coach does is realize their strengths. And if, if there's an opportunity for someone to be better, pass them on to a better coach. Right. Very, yeah, very true. Just unfortunately, not everyone does that to your point too. There are a lot of good. Yeah. I don't want to focus on like just the fact of, Hey, make sure you find the right people to line and the, you know, the good people out there because there are a ton of good people out there. It yes. just, sometimes it does take a bit to find your fit as well. Yeah. I, I, I can tell you this uh, again on that conversation we had yesterday in that training, uh, I've got a good friend that's uh, in maps coaching, which you're well aware of huh? um, that he's pretty high up and I've heard him say, and these are the type of coaches that you want. I've heard him say, yeah, I can't not to me, but to, other agents um, and say, yeah, you're not ready for me. You're not doing enough volume. You're not committed. You, that's the type of coach that you want, especially if you are an A type personality that you want to continue to grow. Right. That's the type of coach that I want. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me I'm not ready. Well, what would I have to do to get, because if you're that good of a coach, I want to be on your team. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. So that's if, if I have any advice when it comes to coaching or mentoring, get people that challenge you. Mm-hmm. That, that help you. I mean, in a mastermind setting, one of the reasons that we do an elite board of advisors for real estate investors is because you want to be the, not the dumbest necessarily, but you want to be the, the smallest fish in, in, in this pond because you want to grow to a big, you want a big yeah. pond growing, right? Yeah. Put, uh, align yourself with people that are doing, it at, doing business at a higher level than you are. Because if you're both just doing the same thing, you can be buddies, you can, you can, you know, throw ideas off of each other, but to truly challenge yourself, you need to see what's, what's possible. The old Roger Bannister four minute mile, right? Right, right. What is possible? I can break the four minute barrier. Yeah. And it's great when you break a barrier, you just can't really go back below. You know, you just, it just becomes your new norm. If you're driven. Some people will say, Hey, my goal is $2 million this year in regards to retail sales, maybe 2 million is their number. Obviously that's like a deal in San Diego, but (laughs) in the Midwest, that may be a few houses. Right. And they'll, they'll slow down because they're, they're pacing overpacing to get to that number. Right. So if you're a driven individual, Yes, that is true. That if you overcome, you'll continue to set higher goals. True. And then some people's goals will be different. Like I know not all my goals are like money production wise or transaction number wise. Some goals are like, hey, I want to get the team to this point. I want to still be able to do this. And I want to be able to like, I I, honestly, one of my main goals right now is 
to keep the team structure strong where I have more time to develop other things that I'm interested in the real estate thing to more of the investments that I like or more of the uh, trying to get like, for instance, the whole purpose of this podcast to try to get especially, uh, you know, veterans and military members more interested to go out and look at, you know, investing, whether it be real estate or otherwise, but obviously, you know, what I, the more I share is going to be real estate because that's what I know better, but just to be able to build that interest and, and share that stuff and watch people do well, like that kind of excites me, but still got to make money to be able to pay to, to share the information. But I, I love that, you know, you have to have a purpose driven organization um, to continue to get up every morning. You know, right. money is great. Um, I don't have enough of it. I love more of it. But, but, you know, the purpose of, you know, your organization and your, your long-term plans for yourself as a human being and for your team, yeah. like to me, you know, as I build a team um, on the investment side, I, I, it, it's funny how um, life evolves. Like, I think of them more, they're like, for lack of better terms, like kids. Mm-hmm. Life fulfillment comes when you love someone more than you love yourself, in my opinion, my humble opinion. And like, that's how my businesses are, is that I want to see them be successful more than I want to see myself successful, because I know that they go hand in hand. Right, right. People on my team are successful at a high, high level. That means that I have been elevated to another level that I can continue to help them grow at a a higher level, but also potentially others that I know, like, and trust. That's one other thing I will take that I I didn't mention earlier. Mm -hmm. You are networking and grinding to start that up your business. If you are someone that's in the military and you're looking to invest in real estate and you just want to know where to start, start somewhere. And usually that starts with finding someone that's a mentor that can help you with not putting a lot of money into this. And what ends up happening as you start building relationships, you start finding people that either you partner with in some capacity, whether that's a partner in a business or joint venture, because you find like-minded individuals and those people you might end up hiring one day as you continue to grow your business. And as some of my best employees have come from just networking um, and people become available because they like what your mission and your purpose is about. Right. And one thing I, I know about you personally from the time I've gotten to know you, which I think is something I've taken away when I uh, evaluate uh, other teams, other brokerages, any of those things is you may have your businesses, but you look at staff and your team more as you work for them. And I think that's a huge thing with leadership stuff too. I know that by having a team, what I've done on the selfish side is I put that fail safe in my way where like, you know, cause I, I'm not like you're saying, there's not enough money. I'm not, you know, definitely I'm not wealthy or something, but I'm, I'm, you're a baller. You're a baller. You're just not like that. You're not the next level baller. Yeah. Not next level, but I'm comfortable enough that I don't, have to do what I don't want to do or something, but I know I don't want to give myself even a way out. So when you have this team and people rely on you, I work for them because I, I'm not going to let them fail and I'm not going to put them in position. So if I just get frustrated or tired instead of going, yeah, you know, screw it. I'll go do something. I'll take six months off and do something else. I would never do that now. So it's kind of my own finding those little obstacles, roadblocks I've got to put in my own way to make sure that I stay engaged and in the game. My wife always says that 
I'm a better person when I'm aligned with people that make me smarter. When I align myself, whether that's with my day-to-day operations that I do with Collective Genius or the businesses, Uh um, I'm always looking to put myself in the room or hire people that are smarter than me. That goes back to my corporate days. I had so many managers that I worked with that wouldn't hire people that they were intimidated by. Or they would say, that person's overqualified. I'll take it. Give me that application. I'll, I'll take the overqualified person because I want someone that is going to potentially replace me at some level. That level is, but if I'm a district sales manager and I need to get to a regional sales manager, I got to find a replacement to get to that next level. And I've always had that. And I just, I've just never been intimidated to hire people smarter than me because at the end of the day, if I do what I'm good at, which is, you know, build people up and, and, and build organizations through making sure we have cohesive teams with purpose driven, the same purpose, we're all driving to the same thing, that ultimately I'll get everything I want as long as they get what they want first. Right. That, absolutely. Absolutely. And it just takes care of itself. Though. If you're taking care of them, your part's going to take care of itself. Uh, 100% uh, 100% agree with that. And I appreciate that about you. I like to ask everyone this too. Like, can you give me one example of a failed anything in your business, like a failed real estate deal? Give me your biggest disaster story. Because one thing that we like to talk about too, is you're, you're going to have certain things that happen that are going to be horrible. And and then it's going to seem like the end of the world. And maybe a month later, maybe a year later, it's something to laugh about. Well, on my own, I haven't done a ton of, of deals in the last two years. You know, prior to that, about 305 years. And every, I don't even like to call them mistakes, or every um, obstacle, I've learned from every single one of them and gotten better. Um, on my own, I've yet, knocking on fake wood here, uh, that I have yet to lose money uh, on a property. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that I go back to, I just listen to the smarter people than me and do what they do. I'm right. uh, real honest. Right. Um, you know, there are some things. And for me, I buy assets, I flip assets, and I either sell them retail or I hold them as rentals. Right. And there's, there's always something on each project that I go, man, we should have done that better um, or done this better. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I will say that the most people make mistakes uh, is they try to do before they have a process in place. Okay. Yeah. So systems and processes will keep you on the train on the tracks if you are trying to scale. Mm-hmm. And so my best advice would be rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, Look at systems and processes of mentors, coaches, and or because an author of a book is usually a, it can be a mentor. If right. you read the book, if you listen to the podcast, don't just try to wing it. There are a lot of free information that's out there. And so the systems and processes will save you thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. And when you're starting out in this business, this is probably the biggest mistake that hasn't bitten me in the tail yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say this, focus on your purpose. And the other P behind that is profit. A lot of people chase number of deals. I do 20 deals this year. I did 30 deals this year. 
you may have purchased 30 assets, but were they truly 30 deals? Right. And a lot of people do a lot of work for small margins. Mm -hmm. And being in the situation that we're in currently with COVID, three months ago, who knew where things were going to go? We were in one of the hottest markets, hottest economies that um, from a real estate perspective that we've seen in a very, very long time is land and milk and honey for five, six years. Right. And so if you're in you know, volatile markets like a San Diego or San Francisco or Miami, these markets where you have high, high opportunities that yield, but, but on the other side, you could, the bottom could fall out as well, is focus on the profit of the, the deal rather than the number of deals that you do. Because you'll always, if you're an A-type personality, you'll always want to do more deals. Yeah. More, yeah. more, 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 more. But more is not always better. Laser focus on what you are good at and get better at that. Because all too often, I'm a squirrel chaser as much as anybody. Yeah. Um, just do what you do best until you find someone to replace you in that assembly line. Again, going back to systems and processes. Right. Build your assembly line. Find that manager that can overtake that assembly line before you try to go and build other tracks on the other side. Right. No, I think that's huge too, because without the system, I don't think you can, for most businesses, at least on the real estate side, I think it's nearly impossible to really track those little gaps, track the little crevices where things slip through and uh, to really see where you can improve your profit without having to you know, necessarily double your work, right? Like, so you can make that process, uh, profit off that. And I know in the very beginning, when you're doing the groundwork and you're, you know, for me getting started on the residential, the sales side, it takes a little bit before it takes off. And then when it does, you know, you think you have things in place because while you're waiting for it to go, you're putting the, okay, what you think are systems. And then man, as soon as something takes off, you learn quickly where, where the faults are in there. Yes. Why do people buy franchises? Oh, because it's put in place for them. There's a system yeah. process that all they have to do, you mm-hmm. follow this system and this process and you'll be successful. Right. And all too often as we go out on our own, we don't follow, we just say, well, we don't need a, we don't need that. We'll just right. we'll wing it. And you can, there are a lot of people that have been successful in this industry winging it. I have met some people that I, I can tell you that do hundreds of deals a year and are still winging it off of Google spreadsheets, right. you know? Yeah. Because um, there's outliers, but that's not, that's not the norm. You know, don't treat an outlier like it's the norm. Yeah. If you want to have a long-term successful business, there are reason that corporations and corporate America has a, makes millions of dollars and billions of dollars a year. Right. Because system that's tried and true. So when you're looking for the best talent, what do you need to have in order to attract that talent? Similar systems and processes, because the last thing you want is somebody coming on your team and going, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that sounds vague systems and processes, but in this industry, you don't have to overthink it. There's not a ton of things that you have to do depending upon the niche in which you're in, whether that's rentals, flipping land, flipping contracts, self-storage, depending upon what it is, it can be more complicated than others. But right. the, the, system that, the, the processes in which you run are pretty simple. Right. Buy an asset, right. Right? rehab asset, or sell the contract. What, there's only you know five or six that you really have to do out of the gates, but make sure that you have those down in writing and that is an actual system. 
Yeah, I think that's important too, because there's nothing more disheartening to someone coming on board too, and then feeling lost, you know, like, I mean, there's a certain amount of that anyway, but if you just like feel like everyone's lost, it's different as well. Getting a superstar that you've attracted, that's only the start. Mm -hmm. Onboarding that superstar and keeping that superstar is where you truly make dividends long-term because if they are not onboarded appropriately, they will never turn out to be the employee that you imagine and envision that they would become. Right. And I think it sets the tone also on their, not just their expectations, their opinion. You may have like attracted them there, but they, if they come on and not onboarded well, that's going to be the first impression of actually your company, of your present, you know, your presentation to them. But you don't want to start off that way. You want them to start off with the you know, utmost confidence. A good percentage of them will start looking the day they walk into your office and they're disappointed. They go, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> immediately go to job search engines when they get home. Right. Because the first impression is the one that lasts the longest. Yeah. So I know that's, that's kind of vague from the standpoint of there's so many things that we could break that down upon. But if you just remember those things as you start, start to scale, if you're just buying, and here's some great advice. If you just want to lend or just want a return, you don't always have to buy assets. There are tons of real estate investors out there that will give you a high yield for your money that's just sitting there earning less than 1% in a CD that they'll give you a high return on that money and you never have to do anything. And right. you can scale that. Yeah. That money makes money while you're sleeping. That is not anything that you have to do. The only worry that you have is if you choose the wrong operator. Right, right. <laughs> but, but these are assets. These are, these are tied to assets. And so, th again, this goes back to the niche. Mm -hmm. I have a ton of people that just have money and don't want to own rentals. They don't want right. to deal with rentals. They just say, here, what can, how much can I make for giving you this? Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. And, and, all. and I think we'd all, all like to get to that point. Absolutely. Especially if you are trying to get into this. Yeah. And you say, you know, I, I want to buy a few rentals, but let me diversify here a little bit and lend and buy and I'll, I'll see which one works best for me. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good way too of the diversification because you don't have to overextend yourself into multiple things, but you can still be involved, still grow at your own pace, especially for the people doing it on the side, you know? Yep. Yep. Well, can you just tell us real quick before we finish up a, a little bit about Collective Genius and what you guys are doing there? I think it's a pretty amazing organization. And, and I think that structure of what you guys are doing, it's pretty phenomenal. And it can be done at many different levels as well. You know, it took me a long time to really find something that I was just built for. And um, I've been with the Collective Genius Mastermind now for uh, going on two years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm the director of member uh, results. And so basically a director of membership. I onboard new members um, and make sure that our members are taken care of. Uh, it's the longest running real estate investor mastermind in the United States, 10 years strong. Uh, we have 150 members. Uh, it is for an elite investor. So there's no one in our group with the exception of a few uh, that do less than 50 transactions uh, or have 50 doors. The exceptions of the rule are those that are only apartment people that do only two transactions a year, but have 10,000 doors right? or self-storage or land or whatever the case may be. But it is a community that we come together four times a year. And it's just that the whole word mastermind of coming together and becoming better 
Right. Where we really set ourselves apart is number one, you've got that elite board of advisors, but we also have a full staff that when you come to these meetings, we connect you with intention. So right. if your challenge, Jay, is I need to scale. I need to hire. All right, we're going to put you with a member that has already figured that out so you don't have to start on the fly. This is something that um, for 10 years, it's been just, you know, like I said, an elite board of advisors uh, that comes together in between meetings as well. And there are other masterminds out there for people that are not doing, you know, elite mm -hmm. business. And we're actually working on something that we may have that offering in the near future for those that are doing less than 50 deals mm -hmm. uh, coming soon. We're working on something currently that uh, I don't even know what it looks like yet. So I can't even tell you, but it is something that we are cognizant of that we'd love to be able to offer. And what COVID has taught us is that what we offer doesn't always have to be in person. Right. We did a virtual meeting for the first time. We were supposed to be in Tampa this June. Go back and forth between where you're at in San Diego mm -hmm. and Tampa uh, four times a year. And uh, we were supposed to have a meeting in actually in Orlando this year. We were, we were switching it up and we couldn't. And so there's a lot that we can offer from a virtual setting. And, uh, you know, so if there are listeners that are doing more than 50 deals, we do have an exclusivity. Uh, rule for certain cities. You can only have no more than three in a city because that brings people together and allows them to be open and share. And it's a culture built on no giving. It's where I'm supposed to be. And even though I have my businesses, I could continue to grow those businesses and will continue to grow those businesses. But this is really where I'm supposed to be. It's, it's the right fit for me and, and, and what I love doing on a daily basis. I get to talk to real estate investors across the nation every single day that are heavy hitters and I learn from them. I would do it for free. Don't tell the founder. It's too late, man. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> too late. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just an awesome group of human beings and I love it. No, that's awesome. And I, and I know you, I definitely mean that. And I can you know tell it from the time I've known you and I appreciate you taking the time to come talked a little me today, just as you have since we started, you've definitely been very super supportive to me and shared a lot and been a mentor for me and kind of to your point of the connections. Leon, if you tell people how they could, is it collectivegenius.com? How can they get some information on you guys? So the website is thecollectivegenius.com and my email is leon at thecollectivegenius.com. And Jay, I'm always here for you, especially because I come to San Diego twice a year and you always take me to the best spots in San Diego. So you keep doing that and I'll keep supplying you with as much information as you need. Hey, sounds like a plan, but and we'll, we'll have Leon's info too. So if anybody listening wants any information from Leon or needs to get in touch, definitely a great connector and a resource for everyone. Big resource for me. I reach out to him all the time when I need information or people that I can trust in different things on the business side, especially real estate. So thanks again, man, for taking time out of uh, Leon Day to uh, come talk to us. And I really do appreciate it. And can't wait to see you next time you come back out to San Diego. Looking forward to it. I'm going to go and lounge for the rest of Leon Day, if that's okay with you. I think you've earned it, man. I think you've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you.